Shalom everybody, Shavua Tov. We're continuing where we left off in Likutei Alachot, section Eben Ezer, the laws of Piria Urvia and Hichot Ishu, the laws of being fruitful and, and of, of marriage, the, the, the laws of the marriage relationship. Uh, discourse number three, paragraph 29. We are now approximately eight elevenths into this big section 29. At this point, Rav Nassim will go into the details of the dynamics of what's taking place when a sacrifice was being brought to the Kohen in the temple. And as now is the three weeks of uh, the three weeks that we're mourning now over the destruction of the temple. So it's appropriate to hear this to see what we've lost and what we can gain. And before we continue, this class has been sponsored by Hillel Zechariah ben Miriam in the merit of Rav Nossen and Rabbi Nachman ben Fege. You should find his true marriage partner very soon. So we continue. He says like this, Rav Nossen. So like we said, he's going into the, the dynamics of the actual korban. Vezeu bechinat kol korbanot shemevi'in otan el kohen. This is the whole idea of all the sacrifices. In other words, we're not now in the details of specifics, but sacrifices, because he says, oh, the general thing of a sacrifice that is brought in the temple to the Kohen. Okay, it has to come to him. The Kohen is the one who takes the sacrifice and completes the, sac- the actual activity of the sacrifice of the, on the animal. So he goes into specifically starting with a sin offering. Shekol mi shechata ezechet venimshach achar hasitra achra that's probably why he said Hakorbanot. He's referring to all, t- all the types of sin offerings because there's many types of sin offerings. There's Korban Asham, Asham Talui, Korban Chatat, okay? All types of sacrifices like that. So he says that anybody who sinned, any type of sin, right? Wh- whatever type it is, and meaning, and he's been drawn after the evil side because that is the idea of a sin. A sin is where a person has given into the test, has failed and fallen in, and went after the evil desires and tendencies of the evil side. And what is the evil side? Which is the concept of sadness and sorrow. In other words, when a person sins, it's basically that he followed into sadness and sorrow. What does that mean? It means that if a person was truly happy, there would be no room for him to sin. The reason why a person falls into sin is because they're not happy with themselves. They feel incomplete and unaccomplished without doing that sin. That's how the, the evil side convinces a person to sin, is he makes him feel lacking and you have to do this, you have to do this, and a person gets overwhelmed and this and that. And also like Rabbi Nachman teaches in lesson number one, that the Yetzirah will play games. He'll dress up in a nice trimal with beard and payas and convince a person that he's doing a mitzvah and actually get him to do mitzvah, but because the mitzvah is overboard or overexhausted or overloading or way above the person's level so then the person crashes and he feels lacking and then by feeling lacking he falls into the hands of the evil side by doing something wrong so that's why the evil side is called sadness and sorrow okay and that's where a person has been drawn after by sinning so when, when such a person now wants to come back and to rectify his sin that he fell into this trap and it has to be the opposite of sadness and sorrow. Watch. 
אזי מביא בהמה לקורבן אל הבית המקדש, ששם מקום השמחה. So what's the rectification beginning point? Is that he, be, he brings an animal for the sake of being a sacrifice in the holy temple, the house of holiness, that that place, what is so special about the Beit HaMikdash, the holy temple, that is the place of joy. That's where joy is. That was the simcha, the attitude in the, te- the temple, this joy that we are lacking so much in our life, that we don't have a Beit HaMikdash. Like the verse says in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, Hashem says about the future prophecy of the time to come when the temple will be rebuilt. Hashem says, And I will bring joy to them, to, the Jews, to, those, to those who return, in my house of prayer. House of prayer is referring to the Beit HaMikdash, because that's where all the prayer was going up. It was at the, at the house of prayer. That's called the house of prayer. I will bring joy to them in my house of prayer, Hashem says, re- regarding the holy temple. So, that, so from this verse we see the house of prayer, which is the holy temple, that's synonymous, is a place of simcha. Because that's what the verse says. I will bring simcha to them in the house of my, of my prayer. So now, what's the animal here? So now the animal being brought as the sacrifice to reconnect to joy, to rectify the sin which is following into sadness and sorrow, the evil, evil side. So the first thing is like this. The animal represents lack of knowledge, lack of wisdom. The lacking, the lacking, the not having that. And what is not having that? And this we said earlier, galut Lack of dot, lack of knowledge of wisdom, is the concept of exile and enslavement. When a person's, uh, when a person's mind is very constricted, very constricted, and because that he's very negative and very depressed and very sad, that is exile. The person's mind is in exile. The person's mind is enslaved. Galut Mitzrayim, enslavement in Egypt means, exile in Egypt means it's enslavement. It's Galut and Shibud. It's both exile and also being enslaved. And that's sadness. And as we said earlier in this discourse, those are the concept, exile and enslavement, the concept of sadness and sorrow. All this is connected to the animal because the animal doesn't have da'at. The animal can't really be happy. He's lacking jo- He's lacking da'at. So automatically the animal is considered enslaved, which is the case. Animals belong to human beings. They're enslaved. They're in exile and enslaved. They're not actual human beings where they can be free. So they are the epitome, they rep- a representation of sadness and sorrow. And now when the person who sinned whose actions are synonymous to the animal. So he brings an animal, which is representing himself, really, to the holy temple. And then he does what's called smicha. He places his hand, the person who's bringing the sin offering, he places his hands on the animal's head, and he confesses his sins, his avonot. It's funny, because... It doesn't say his unintentional sins, his chata'im, but his intentional sins. Avon is an intentional sin. Because it led to, one thing led to the next, a person has fallen even lower to do intentional sins because of him being trapped and falling into initial sin unintentionally, but due to sadness and sorrow. 
So now the person, who again is synonymous of the animal, both have fallen into, are trapped in the enslavement, the exile of sadness and sorrow, okay, from the other side. So now the human being, he transfers his his category, his situation that he's in now, of sadness and sorrow, which is due to him doing sins. So by mentioning his sins, while placing his hands on the animal, so it's as if he's transferring his sins, iniquities, which are equal to, which which are the connotation of sadness and sorrow, onto the animal, so that it should be exclusively on the animal, not on him also. Okay? By doing this, the sinner, the person bringing the animal, the sacrifice to the temple, he's actually clarifying out, sifting out the sadness on sorrow. Like we, like we saw, he's placing it on the animal. Because he explains, it's like this. Because by sanctifying this animal, that he now, he now sanctifies it to be an, a, a fit for a sacrifice. He takes an animal, he consecrates it to be an, a sacrifice, and he brings it to the Holy Temple, to the Kohen. So by doing this, like we said earlier, is actually grabbing the sadness and sorrow in himself, which is the idea of animalistic tendencies and desires, and animalistic ta'ava, and he's bringing the animal which has his animalistic sadness and sorrow also he's bringing it to the place of joy which which is represented by the holy temple and the Kohen they both represent joy the Kohen also represents joy like we said earlier unbelievable and then the Kohen takes his animal, this, which has all the confession of the sins, of the animalistic, of the sadness and sorrow on it, okay, which has been sanctified in order to sift it out, all these items. Then the Kohen, he then offers as a sacrifice this animal. And then the, the, the sacrifice becomes included in the root of joy, the upper root of joy. Okay, that's the Kohen's job. Who's the conduit? Through the Levites. The Levites, while the Kohanim were offering sacrifices, what were the Levites doing? They were involved in playing musical instruments. It's called Shir ala Duchan. Duchan is like the special platform that they stood on when playing the musical instruments. And they were singing, singing along with musical instruments together. So the song, like we said earlier, is what connects anything from this world back to its root, to the initial sound of God. The singular, direct voice of God is recon- it's Anything in this world is reconnected, redirected to it through song. That was the Levites playing the music. So the animal now, having the person's sadness and sorrow on it, we want to transform the sadness and sorrow into joy. So what's needed is to reconnect. So it's not just being offered as a sacrifice in the temple, what was taking place there shows the process. Is that the Levites were playing the music, and that music, at the time of the sacrifice, elevates the sadness and the sorrow, which is coming out of the animal that's being burnt on the altar. So then the sadness and sorrow there, present, is re-rooted, reconnected to its root, 
of joy in the direct voice of God through the singing and song and musical instruments played by the Levites. Okay? Shehem mevaririn v'tofsin hayagon v'anacha u'mapchino oto ala kedusha that they, the Levites, through their song and singing, were able to sift out and grab the sadness and sorrow that's in the animal, transferred into the animal from the owner, the person who brought the animal, who sinned, and they're able to transform it into the holiness, turn it back, the sin to be atoned for, meaning that now it's turned back into holiness. The sin has been transformed into, into, into holiness itself. That's amazing. And like we said, they bring it to the Kohen, Right? At the, at the, the owner of the animal brought it to the Kohen. Because the Kohen is the one who's the goal. The Levite is this to bring to the Kohen, right? He's, in other words, to, to reunite to the source of joy which is found in the representation of the Kohen, like we said in the last class. So they bring the Korban sacrifice to the Kohen. That he is the idea of the direct initial voice of God. That's the representation in the Kohen. Until the person bringing the animal is included in the root of joy, the upper joy, which is the whole idea of the Kohen as mentioned above. And all this is to show that this is the way that we have to rectify sins. The way to rectify any damage is by reconnecting to joy. And again, this is, goes to strengthen the idea of Rabbi Nachman's tikkun, of saying ten psalms, which are joyous. The attitude of psalms is normally an, a happy attitude. That's the idea of singing the ten types of song, making up the, the book of psalms, which are rooted in these ten psalms, that it's through joy that a, paper, a person is able to rectify and transform any sadness and sorrow reflected in his blemishes, and sinning and blemishing, etc., turning it back into joy.